Hello and welcome to Sensei Podcast. This is Manos Brilakis discussing with leaders in the field of CTO and Complex PCI. Sensei means teacher or master in Japanese. The goal of the Sensei Podcast is to help you learn and improve in CTO and Complex PCI so that you can become the best that you can be and offer your patients the best possible results. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sensei Podcast. It is my great pleasure to welcome today Dr. Eugene Wu from Hong Kong, one of the leaders of CTO and Complex PCI in Asia Pacific. Eugene, thanks again for joining us and welcome. Thank you for having me. Wonderful. And again, the goal of this uh, podcast is to help people learn and uh, find what's the best way to become better at doing complex PCI. And I know that you've had some great teachers, but how did it start for you? What was your inspiration and motivation for actually uh, learning to do CTO PCI? Uh, so it started really with two things. One is my interest in CTO PCI. So ever since my fellowship year, I wanted to do CTO PCI. But the other was patients. So we didn't have a CTO operator in our center. So there were these patients with CTOs and with angina that needed treatment. So the combination of both drove me towards uh, doing CTO-PCI. Perfect. So it was something that you started doing um, after you were doing regular PCI for some time and just came organically because yes. of the need? Wonderful. And then who helped you in the process? Who, who was your teacher, mentor, helping you uh, become who you became? Uh, so very early on, we had uh, very little idea of how to do retrograde. So uh, I emailed uh, Dr. Kato, Dr. Saito, and Dr. Ochiai. Uh, and Dr. Saito and I formed a very good relationship. So I would go to his meetings and see him. He'll come to my center and do cases. Later on, uh, Dr. Kato also traveled to Hong Kong quite a lot, and I would follow him around learning from him. Uh, when he stopped traveling, he recommended Dr. Tutikani to help me. So my three senseis, if you would, would be uh, Dr. Saito, Dr. Kato, and then Dr. Tsuchikani. Wonderful. I think that summarizes also the history of CTO PCI. I think you trained some of the people mm. who literally defined, the, created the film and defined the film in the early stages. So how, how did that feel? How did it feel working with some of the, literally the legends of uh, CTO intervention? Uh, it was very exciting times because you, you know, the concept I think today is a bit lost on us because uh, the idea that you can go through a collateral channel and come up the other way was really quite novel back in 2005. And so when we succeeded, we were very happy. Uh, so the sort of excitement of doing it. Also, I think the exchange to have somebody work on the ideas and to talk about ideas, uh, that's very helpful in the early part of uh, retrograde because the procedure isn't as well defined as it is today. So did you feel a lot of stress and uh, anxiety when we were doing these procedures in the early days or how did that uh, work around? Uh, I think there was a lot of stress. Uh, I always think of it as similar to snowboarding. You prepare everything, you get all your gear together, you go up the mountain and you look at the slope as you review the CTO and you think, oh, what have I got myself into? But I think that's also an important lesson because you need to have the same excitement as going snowboarding. You need to feel that all this uh, feeling of tummy upset and palpitations, that's all part of the body getting ready to do the CTO. So just like the body gets ready to do a snowboarding run. And I think to see it that way, 
uh, it's very helpful for your stress because you stop thinking that I'm breaking down, but you start thinking my body's preparing myself to do the case. Wonderful. So essentially, whatever feelings you have, you translate them into excitement versus uh, mm. the other way around, which is a great way to do it. But also, you know, snowboarding has accidents. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, complications also happen with CTOPCI. So how do you deal with that? I know earlier on, it must have been even harder than it is today when things are not defined as well and you're le- we're all learning how to do this. So how did you deal with the complications and I don't understand how to do this? So complications were awful at the beginning because uh, perforation of channel was quite common. And uh, I'm fortunate to have a very nice boss in my center who, although he doesn't do much CTO-PCI, he will always come and bail me out. So I think having a nice friend in your center that you can look at complications together and help each other is very important. Absolutely. That's true, actually, for CTO or any, any PCI, having an ally and a friend in a good environment is obviously critical. So you feel that you have been supported in your way, in your learning pathway from the people in your hospital and your uh, cath lab in getting along the way? Yes, very much so. Perfect. And then uh, when things, you know, obviously you did a lot of cases, you become an expert in the area. How do you feel now when you do these cases? Are you feeling still the same excitement? Did they become routine? Uh, you think you reached a plateau? How do you feel these days about doing these procedures? Uh, I think I am, uh, there's, there's less excitement because you know that you can do the case. <laughs> and uh, the fun of doing CTO sort of decreases uh, over time. Uh, it's still fun, uh, but I think also it's time that um, I focus more on teaching and training. So now I find the f- most fun thing is actually not for me to do the CTO and succeed, but for me to proctor somebody and they get it and they do it and they succeed. I used to get quite proud when, I success- when I'm successful with a case, but now I'm even more proud when somebody I'm teaching is successful. Uh, the pride for a student is even greater than pride for yourself. It's uh, wonderful. And this is, I think, the new excitement uh, is to train somebody and have them be, become successful and do the case safely um, and have them get the ideas and the concept. And that's marvelous. Terrific. And how do you, um, how do you deal, how do you know, like the person you're proctoring or teaching or your fellow, how do you know if they're going to become good at this or not? Can you tell when you first start working with them or is it something you never know until later on when they mature? It does take some time. So there are operators that are quite aggressive and fast. And you might think, oh, they're making good progress because they're aggressive and fast, but then they run into the phase of having lots of complications. And then there are operators that seem never to have strength when they put a guiding in and they're slow. And yet when they progress, they can become very safe, very good operators. So I think it does take time to figure out uh, whether the operator is going to become a good complex PCI CTO operator. Do you ever tell anyone, look, this is not for you. You should not be doing complex PCI. Maybe you should do something else or, or you never have to do that. Uh, I'm fortunate we haven't had to do that. Uh, our center is very strong on EP and structural. So nobody comes to do PCI. So <laughs> I don't have to turn them down. But for example, when you go and proctor someone and sometimes you don't know them before, right? And you meet them for the first time mm-hmm. when you're proctoring. Um, is there sometimes where you say, well, maybe this person's going to have a hard time, or even there, it's hard to tell from the beginning and it takes some time to understand their capacity for learning and getting better. 
I think、um, the great difficulty with learning is that、um, after we become a little bit good at CTOPCR, we stop learning and we stop listening, and that's usually the phase that's the most difficult to proctor. It is actually easy to proctor somebody who's quite new at CTOPCR, but once they've established their own way, it becomes quite difficult to proctor them. So usually, the ones that are difficult to proctor are the older people who are, you know, quite fixed in their ways and. They wouldn't like to try anything that you suggest. I'm sure you have the same experience. No, you're absolutely right, and it is true that you know usually people who have well-established ways can be a little more challenging. But having said that, some people who are you know fairly senior have been fairly receptive too. So yes, but at the same time, not everyone is different in a way.、Mm. So when you start to teach someone, how do you approach it? Do you have them first read the books,、uh, look at cases online? What do you think is the best way for someone who wants to start? To、um, get going into CTOPCI. Well, I think、uh, knowledge and skill are both needed. So knowledge is the book, and so they they need they do need to read book and they do need to know the equipment. They need to know the guiding capsules. They need to know the micro capsules. They need to know all that. They need to know how to wire. They need to know how to cross channels, etc. But the other part is skill. So they need. Hands-on proctoring, and that's why I think proctoring really has to be hands-on、uh, for most part, because they need some instruction、uh, for the technical part of it to overcome a small number of cases, twenty something CQs a year, and yet they make tremendous progress、uh, because they have very focused on learning and thinking and discuss. Wonderful. And then, is there a number of cases you think it takes? Is it like fifty cases? Is it hundred cases? How many cases does it become? Does it get for someone to become good at CT or complex PCI? Yeah. So some people do very few cases and yet manage to improve a lot.、Uh, so it depends, I think, on the ability to learn and the ability to try new things.、Uh, but I would say. Around two, three hundred cases, you can begin to be able to do most of the complex stuff, the retrograde, the stingray, and so on. Wonderful. So, do you think that、um, you are still learning, or you think you reached the plateau and you are pretty comfortable with everything right now? Well, I think I'm learning quite a lot、uh, over the years.、Uh, the focus has changed. I mean, for many years, the focus is on success,、uh, how to get success, and how to do it fast. Because you need success and fast if you're going to be a good live case operator. But this year, as you know, we've been writing the safety paper. So through that writing of the paper and interacting with all those different authors, I've come to appreciate a lot more about safety. And now I think about a case very much in terms of safety. And I found ever since the beginning of APCTO about six years ago, having a group of、uh, competent、uh, senior operators talk about every part of the CTO. And talk about how to do the procedure, working out the algorithms, working out how to do the CTO,、uh, writing the papers, learning how to be safe. That's actually helped me improve even more than just doing lots of cases. Absolutely, so reflecting on the cases, and I must say, I have been impressed by both the Asia Pacific、uh, algorithms you've put together. You have a great site on the APCTO that has a lot of hands-on and practical information how to do it, but also, of course, on the global algorithm you've done, as well as the complications、uh, paper you're leading right now. Yeah. So, what motivates you to、um, put this together and share with other people and try to teach them through the writing in addition to the proctoring? I think the.、Uh... Traditional method of teaching CTO PCI is really quite bad for teaching CTO PCI because the traditional method is the Japanese expert 
performing a live case. And there's very little communication. It's more like a magic show. And the operators are doing things that most beginners are not doing. It's like watching Roger Federer return a serve. That's not what you're going to be able to do, you know. So it's not helpful at all. So a part of the reason I wanted to do the APCTO is to try to get hold of these masters like Kato and Suzikani and just squeeze out of them all their knowledge into a format that people can understand and read. And I think that's much more helpful than watching a live case. Absolutely. Actually, I remember, actually, even before that, I remember reading one of your papers on the catastrophic complication, I think it was on the mm. retrograde approach, it was several years back. Yes. But it was actually amazing. It was an excellent paper because it was very practical. You can see exactly what can happen and exactly step by step how to take care of this. So I guess you'll be doing this for many years. And you're right, extracting the knowledge and making it in a digestible form can make a huge difference. Mm. Now, how about uh, the next step? What is next for you? What are your plans for the upcoming years? Well, I think the uh, Asia-Pacific CTO is uh, very well established now. Um, we have uh, 34 fellows in the area. So I want to encourage the fellows to be more active in organizing their own events, organizing their own meetings, and exchange with each other to learn CTO technique. The global CTO side, uh, we've done a lot of publications, but because of COVID, we haven't done anything more than publications. Sure. So that still needs a lot of... Uh, coordination and development. Um, that's something we need to sit and think, uh, how do we do this? What sort of format will work well in global? Absolutely. And I think, you know, events like the ones you've organized in the past, the publication, everything helps bring people together. I think now that we're getting through the COVID uh, pandemic, I think now there's a right time for getting this to happen. And of course, there will always be some differences, I think, on a local level based on availability on equipment and tradition. But, uh, you know, I think the world has been closer than ever when it comes mm. to CTO specifically. Yes. Now, how is the, I know that there's the Japanese ways of very calm, systematic, in a way, there's a special philosophy, I think, that comes along with this. Uh, how much do you think that's a big part of becoming good at CTO PCI? Is that necessary? Is it a nice thing to have? And if yes, how, how does it help in what you do? Philosophy. Um, <laughs> interesting. Well, uh, I think it does. I think uh, most CTO operators eventually develop their own philosophy to CTO PCI. I think uh, I'm heavily influenced by Tsuzikani, whose philosophy is really safety first. And I think that's uh, the focus that uh, I've gradually turned towards. I think early on, I had not appreciated safety as much. And uh, I was sort of focused on success and speed. Uh, but now I'm realizing that uh, safety is very important. So philosophy of safe CPOPC, I think is very important. Wonderful. And you're right. Sometimes it's better to fail than to continue and then have a complication, which can make things uh, worse. I mean, have the, no, the dead patient is not successful procedure, but dead patient is not a good outcome to have, I guess. Yes. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, I know that the patients in Asia are, are very patient and, uh, you know, they're you know, very tolerant. You know, people in the U.S., they start moving around after an hour or two. They don't feel comfortable. You get a lot of sedation. Whereas there's much more discipline, I think, uh, in people uh, with uh, uh, the Asian background. Is that true? And is that helping with the procedure? Yes. I mean, I think, uh, especially in Japan, I mean, patients will never move off the table. They can sleep there for six, seven hours. Uh, but there is a downside to this because Japan 
has so much cat lap time, and the patients are so happy to lie there that they are quite willing to spend quite a lot of time getting the procedure done. And so you tend to have these very long procedures, which is not very translatable to other places where most places have quite a lot of cat lap pressure. Uh, so there is a little bit of disconnect between the sort of traditional Japanese case, the way they do the case, which is always to get the right method, no matter how much time it takes, and the rest of the world who, you know, come and watch these cases and begin to wonder, well, seven hours, I don't have that time in my cat lab. So uh, we need to adopt. Uh, for APCTR, actually, speed is more important because uh, although the patient is tolerant of a long procedure, uh, the cat lab is quite busy in most of the Asian centers. I mean, in China and Hong Kong, the cat lab pressure is quite high. So we don't have the luxury of spending, you know, four or five hours on a CTO. Exactly. And I think that's true actually around the world, not just uh, in Hong Kong, which I mean, I think most countries, the cat lab time is limited and, uh, you know, it's being efficient. First of all, it helps the cat lab time, but also potentially can be helpful in terms of complications, radiation, contrast and other things mm. as well. Yes, of course. Wonderful. So just to switch gears a little bit, uh, how do you keep in good shape to be able to do these procedures? Do you do exercise? Do you eat healthy, sleep well? H how do you st uh, stay in good shape to be able to perform? So uh, exercise was very important because very early on, I remember in 2009, I was in Macau working with Tuzikani on a live case. And after the case, he was kneeling down in the corner with backache. So from that point, I decided back exercise was very important. Uh, so I would do uh, at least weekly uh, strengthening and flexibility exercises for the back. And I think keeping your back fit is very important for a CPU operator. I also do other exercise, uh, uh, snowboard or rollerblade. Uh, that is very good outlet for stress. Um, recently, I've taken on meditation and journaling because I think uh, the ability to learn these techniques of being mindful uh, is very useful. When something goes wrong, you just stop for a second and bring yourself back into your, the presence with a mindful moment. That's very helpful to reduce the stress in the calf lab. Uh, so these are techniques that I'm using more and more of. Uh, but I think managing stress, managing your back uh, are important things. And then when you uh, meditate or you journal, is that about what happened in the cath lab or that's general and just has the positive impact in the things you do in the cath lab as well? Uh, it does. I think um, journaling is very useful in getting the brain to write down everything. So sometimes I would just write down everything that I can, I worry about that could go wrong in the case. And just writing it down uh, releases the brain from worry and it's very useful. Wonderful. How about uh, other things you do for fun? Do you have a favorite book or a favorite movie that you that you have? Oh, favorite book. Favorite book would be C.S. Lewis's Four Loves. Uh, I, I read it when I was quite young and uh, in my university years, and I didn't appreciate what it's saying. So I read it again recently, and I've come to realize it's quite a nice book that describes how humans relate to one another. Favorite movie is The Matrix. Without doubt, I love the concept of what looks very real, but is not the truth. And that's something important for us to realize. What may feel very real for, to us may not be the truth. Uh, we may feel very frightened of the case, but that's not the truth. Um, so 
we need to separate our feeling from the reality. No, I love it. And this was my favorite movies as well. I must say that uh, this happens in the cat lab quite often, as you said. You think the patient is very sick when they may not be, and vice versa. You think they're okay when they're actually not very, they're not okay. So being able to detach, as you say, and get a step back can help you have more of a clear mind. Yes. So again, this is, you know, wonderful uh, ways to learn and I appreciate all of the input. So give me a little bit of uh, your assessment. What are the things you are most proud of that you've done so far, professionally and personally? Well, I think the um, working with the APCTO group is fantastic. I mean, we've managed to establish uh, a set of sort of rotation through the meetings in Asia and also the algorithm and the papers. So that I think is a very nice piece of uh, work that we did together with the, that group. The global side, of course, these last two years has also been fantastic. Uh, you, you've been fantastic. Canvas has been fantastic. We've written things together very quickly. So that's also, I think, be something that I was quite proud of. Um, uh, now, I think mostly I'm trying to focus on next generation, I'm trying to get the next generation to improve and to become better, to have succession in APCTO, especially. Wonderful. So what are your final words? If you have to summarize for the person who is coming to you or is trying anywhere in the world to learn these procedures and become good and reach your level and be able to do the complex procedures, what would you be your piece of advice? I think the most important thing is to get the support of your wife. <laughs> now, <laughs> recently, uh, back back to uh, uh, back to Roger Federer. Recently, he retired uh, his amazing career, and uh, his wife was there in the Davis Cup, and they were both crying. He's thanking his wife for the support. But it occurs to me, Roger Federer's wife watches most of his games, his championship games, and knows what's going on. But the CTO interventionist wife has no clue. They don't know what you're doing, so it's very difficult for them to be supportive of you. And very often, we think. Support means you need to support me. But if they don't know what you're doing, it's hard to support you. So I think support needs to go both ways. You need to spend time explaining to your family, your wife, your children, what you're actually doing, uh, what these cases are. So show them an angiogram or two so that they can give you the kind of support uh, that Roger Federer has. That's a great point. Actually, Tony Speedy had the exact same point. He was telling me that he takes little video clips of his procedures and then he shows them to his kids and his wife, and that has come a long way, as you said, for them to understand what he's going through and be more supportive for him. Yes. Well, again, I would like to thank you so much. That was a wonderful insights on how to learn uh, PCI and CTO PCI specifically. And again, congratulations on everything you've done for the field. You literally have been instrumental to making the field global. And of course, you had a tremendous impact and continue to have so in the Asia-Pacific region. So thanks for everything. Thanks for taking the time today. And super excited to keep on working with you on uh, multiple fronts in the future. Thank you very much, Manos. It's great to see you. Thank you for listening to the Sensei Podcast. 